Welcome back to The Emily Show. As I am recording this, it is Monday, Martin Luther King Day, January 15th. It is quite snowy here in Middle Tennessee and very cold throughout the Southeast and elsewhere. There is a court hearing coming up on the case we are talking today on Tuesday, January 16th. And then there's another hearing set for January 19th. So today's episode covering the Leah Remini Scientology lawsuit is going to be an overview of the extensive amount of litigation, the objection to the judge, the objection to subpoenas, and all of the motions that are going to be coming into court. But depending on my own travel plans and whether or not they go through, I may not be able to update the court hearing in this episode before it goes live on Wednesday. So there will be updates. You need to follow the Lawnard app, and I will be updating you there on what's happening in court proceedings. I hope that somebody is in court covering them. I think that they will be based on the granted media request that I saw. So hopefully we will get a good idea of what happens at this hearing, but I don't think we'll have any answers. So between all of the motions, we're going to do an overview of where this Leah Remini Scientology case stands. My key takeaway from getting back into this case in the new year is we are going to be buried in paperwork until this case goes to trial, if this case goes to trial. We're going to talk about all that right now. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. It's that time of the year where a lot of us want to try something new or maybe just take a little bit better care of ourselves after the holidays. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company, and they make eating well easy by delivering fresh ingredients to your door, everything you need for the meal, and an instruction card with pictures so you can be ready to eat in just about 30 minutes. They work with all kinds of dietary preferences. Green Chef's new gut and brain health meal plan includes a mouthwatering array of nutritious dinners, clean snacks, and functional drinks crafted to actively support the well-being of your gut and enhance cognitive health. Not only is it easy, but with Green Chef, you are getting real wholesome foods that don't just fill you up, but also support a healthy lifestyle. And each week you can choose from over 80 plus menu options for anything you want to try out. Gluten-free, fast and fit, protein-packed, keto, vegan, vegetarian, and of course, gut and brain health recipes. So if you are ready to try Green Chef for yourself, go to greenchef.com slash 60emilybaker and use code 60emilybaker to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months at greenchef.com with code 60EMILYBAKER. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Let's get back to today's episode. The Leah Remini Scientology lawsuit is a civil lawsuit that was filed back in August 2023. Today, I'm going to give you an overview of where we stand with the litigation because there is a lot of it and there are some very consequential motions that will have to be ruled on that are going to shape how this case moves forward. But we knew this, right? We knew that going into this case and covering this case, the one thing that was going to happen was there was going to be a ton of motion filing and a ton of litigation. It's not a case that's going to 
get filed, go to discovery, go to mediation, and then settle and or go to trial. This is a case that is going to be fought at every single turn. And that's what I have seen diving into this. It started with the original complaint. There's been a first amended complaint filed. But since then, we've also had a objection to the very first judge on the case. So the case got reassigned. We have a motion for preliminary injunction, a motion to quash, an anti-slap motion, and a judge that literally said in a recent minute order, enough is enough, and we're just getting started. So today's podcast episode is an overview of where this case stands procedurally, what rulings the court is going to have to make, and when those rulings may be made, and what they mean. It's not going to be a deep dive into each and every one of these motions because it's literally no hyperbole for me. You know, I, I I love a good exaggeration. No hyperbole. It's literally thousands of pages of litigation. One of Leah Remini's motions was over 700 pages, including exhibits. So it is a substantial amount of information. But if there is something that you're interested in a deep dive in, you're going to have to let me know in the comments down below on the YouTube video. And then we'll just do a breakdown of those motions. But today, we are giving you what they're asking for and what's going to happen, because I think that's the most helpful. So let's let's back up a minute and talk about where this case stands procedurally. As I said, this original lawsuit was filed on August uh, 2nd, 2023, there was a First Amendment complaint filed August 29th, 2023. So we're working off the fact, as I call it, that First Amended complaint. So in all this litigation, it's dealing with the First Amended complaint. The First Amended complaint does not substantially change things. But one of the first notices that we got was a 170.6 filed against the judge. And you might be surprised by which party, because when I first looked at this, my first thought was, did Scientology challenge the judge? No, Leah Remini did. In Los Angeles and other jurisdictions, in California, the rule that allows for this is Rule 170.6. Um, in different jurisdictions, these rules have different numbers. It's essentially called papering the judge. And it is a party's objection saying that without having to state a reason, they can just say, I don't want this case in front of this judge. It could literally be for any reason under the sun. It does not say... Um, this judge is biased against this case. It is just a peremptory challenge. It got assigned to this judge. They don't want it assigned to that judge. It gets reassigned. So let's just take a quick look at that filing on August 10th. This was filed in a timely way right after the judge was assigned. So this is the 170.6 challenge, department number 69, name of the judge, William Fahey, this is the judge. I am a party or attorney for a party to this action or proceeding. The judicial officer named above before whom the trial or hearing in this case is pending or whom has been assigned is prejudiced against the party or his attorney or the interest of the party or his attorney so that the declarant cannot or believes that he or she cannot have a fair or impartial trial or hearing before this judicial officer. This could literally be for any reason. So this was received on August 8th, and then it was granted and a new judge was assigned. But the case started off with filing a 170.6. Now, the defendants in this case, if you will remember from my last episode covering it, are David Miscavige, the Church of Scientology, and the Religious Technology Center. There are three defendants here. 
Only two of the defendants are appearing in this case at this time. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This doesn't seem to be unusual with David Miscavige, that serving him personally is um, a feat of sorts. But if if and when he is served into this case, he will also have a period of time to object to the judge because he is not officially in this case yet. He is still fighting to quash notice of summons um, and quash the notice of complaint and say that he is not uh, he is not a part of this. So we're going to get to that in a minute. So it's been reassigned to the new judge, and then we started seeing all of the heavy litigation work starting in the middle of September. So the case is filed and then everything pops off. There is no answer in this case because we are still in the thick of pre-answer litigation. Leah Rimini filed a motion for preliminary injunction. We're going to go over that in a few minutes. The defendants filed an anti-slap motion and we will cover what an anti-slap motion means. This is very common in civil cases, especially in civil cases where part of the cause of action is someone saying something. This case involves civil harassment, stalking, and these tortious interference claims as well as defamation. So anti-slap is a mechanism in California where the case can end before discovery even begins, which if a litigant is exercising their First Amendment rights, it cuts this off um, at the earliest possible point but it can also be used to try to stop litigation in its tracks before parties have a chance to go through discovery and support their claims even more. So it is a double-edged sword on the anti-slap motion. Then we had, after those two motions were filed in September and October, respectively, uh, David Miscavige filed a motion to quash the subpoena. So he is trying to say, look, I am not involved in this court. Nobody has served me yet. So because I'm not served, I am not actually a defendant in this case yet. And we'll get to that. Through all of that, the parties have popped off a literal shit ton of litigation to the point that at the beginning of January 2024, the court said enough is enough. <laughs> We're going to get to the court being frustrated towards the end of this episode but the court is actually, no, I'm amused. We're going to do it first. The court is like, stop. So what we're going to do is go through the court's minute order. We'll go through David Miscavige's motion to quash, and then we'll go through what the parties are asking for in the preliminary hearing and in the anti-slap motion, because those are the things coming up for hearing. That motion to quash is not set for hearing till February. We won't have that answer for a little bit yet. And this anti-slap motion is only... Uh, the Church and Technology Center defendants. David Miscavige is not a part of any of this other initial litigation because that motion to quash is still pending. So let's take a look at the how the court is feeling. I'm waiting for the court to say something like, stop fighting to be my least favorite litigants of 2024 because you're winning and it's four days into the year. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for more judicial sass. Let's take a look at what the court had to say. This is... The court's minute order from January 5th, 2024. This is the now assigned Judge Randolph Hammock. Nature of proceedings, court order in chamber, defendant's special motion to strike. The special motion to strike is the anti-slap motion. This court has begun its extensive review. Same. Same. Same, Your Honor. 
This court has begun its extensive review and consideration of the voluminous pleadings which have been filed on both sides in connection with the pending special motion to strike currently set for hearing on January 9th, 2023. (laughs) No, we didn't miss it. Don't worry. Suffice it to state, this motion presents a vast complexity of legal and factual issues and procedures. Unfortunately, the parties have compounded these inherent complexities by unilaterally and recently filing various pleadings and motions which may or may not be authorized by law and which, at the very least, are not typically filed in connection to a standard special motion to strike. CEG, plaintiff's motion to strike portions of defendant's reply from January 3rd, plaintiff's objection to declaration of Kendrick Moxon in support of reply, from January 3rd, plaintiff's objection to declaration of Lynn Farney in support of reply from January 3rd, plaintiff's objections to declarations of Yi Shen Wan um, in support of reply on January 3rd, and last but not least, defendant's objections to plaintiff's various motions, which is really defendant's objections to plaintiff's objections from January 5th. Mind you, I'm not even done with this court order yet, and I'm pulling up my notes. Mind you that after this minute order was filed, there were numerous additional filings. Like the minute order was filed, but there were other files like filings in the pipeline. There's other filings with regard to the preliminary injunction as well, because the motion, the anti-slap motion is set for uh, Tuesday, January 16th, but then the preliminary injunction motion is set for January 19th. The court then says enough is enough. Oh, Your Honor. (laughs) Oh, Your Honor. No further pleadings or motions may be filed by any party in connection to the pending special motion to strike without expressly obtaining leave to do so by this court or as otherwise expressly indicated infra. Counsel will have the opportunity to point out any procedural irregularities, perceived or otherwise. At the upcoming hearing on the special motion to strike, the court's sassed is like, <laughs> whether you just think it's a problem or whether it's actually a problem, I'll let you say it. Additionally, based upon the overwhelmingly sheer number of pages which have been filed by both sides in connection in this matter, this court needs additional time to sufficiently review and consider the same prior to the hearing. Your Honor, I feel you. Um, people have been asking for an update on this case for quite a while, and I'm like, but it's so much. But it's so much, but it's so much. As such, on its own motion, this court hereby continues the hearing on the anti-slap motion from January 9th to January 16th at 8.30 a.m. If for some reason this new date presents a calendaring conflict for an attorney who is necessary to be present for the oral argument, this court is willing to consider a proper request to accommodate um, such a further short continuance as needed. And then the court required notice. But the court is already sitting here saying, you have to stop. And I imagine we're going to continue to see that happen because there's so much litigation and there will be so much litigation and there are three defendants. But a lot of what really ruffled the court's feather in in this was Leah Remini's team's objections to declarations and evidentiary objections which you don't normally see in this type of motion. They probably should have asked for leave from the court to file it. But once they filed it, then the defense was responding to it. And so then it creates this whole additional back and forth that 
the court did not grant leave for there to be a back and forth. And that's what that's what bubbled over with regard to the anti-slap motion. But then you still have the motion to quash and you still have the motion for preliminary injunction. And these things are somewhat interconnected, but there are a tremendous amount of declarations and a tremendous amount of documentary evidence. Though I understand where Team Remini is coming from because if the anti-slap motion is granted, the lawsuit is dead in the water, or at least the parts of the motion that the anti-slap lawsuit is granted as to. This lawsuit has nine different causes of action and things like stalking and civil harassment and IIED and tortious interference aren't necessary and intentional interference with prospective economic uh, advantage aren't always ruled on by an anti-slap. An anti-slap motion is really getting to the heart of using litigation to stop someone from speaking or participating publicly in a thing. So it generally goes to your defamation claims, your false light claims, those types of things. So it could be the case that an anti-slap motion is granted. I'm not saying it's going to be. We haven't even addressed what they're arguing about. But you could see a circumstance in a case where an anti-slap is granted to some causes of action, but not all causes of action. So we're going to get into what the what all of that means in a minute, because first, I think it makes sense to go through why David Miscavige is not a part of these motions and go through his motion to quash the subpoena, arguing that he doesn't even go here and doesn't belong to be, shouldn't be part of these lawsuits anyway. Let's take a look at that now. A huge thank you to today's sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics. Thrive makes my getting ready routine so easy because their products not only are tried and true at this point, but are easy to apply and stay where they're supposed to be. So I am not fussing with my makeup. I use the Brilliant Eye Brighteners every single time I put makeup on. Same with the Liquid Lash Extensions. But with the Liquid Lash Extensions mascara, particularly in the winter, it is so nice when I am out and it is so cold that my eyes are watering, that I'm not worried about my mascara flaking or caking or running or getting stuck in the little lines around my eyes. It is such an easy formula. And then at the end of the night, it just washes off with warm water. It looks like lash extensions without all the fuss, time, and expense. Did I mention that for every product purchase, Thrive donates products and funds back into helping communities thrive? So check out Thrive Cosmetics, and right now you can get 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash Lawnard. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Lawnard for 20% off your first order. Let's get back into today's episode. This was filed on November 1st, 2023. This is filed by the attorneys, the Los Angeles attorneys for David Miscavige, specially appearing. Specially appearing defendant David Miscavige, notice of motion and motion to quash service of summons and complaint, memorandum of points and authorities, and including numerous declarations. So this is the first motion motion we're seeing in court from this defendant. The other motions that we're going to talk about the rest of the episode are just between Leah Remini right now, the Church of Scientology and the Religious Technology Center. David Miscavige is going very um, 
or is very conscientious not to respond to any of this and make himself a part of this lawsuit by responding, which is why this says specially appearing. This is this defendant saying, I've not been properly served. I'm not a part of this lawsuit. I don't even go here, but I am not going to see jurisdiction of the court. I'm going to show up to tell you why I shouldn't even be part of the case and the case should be dismissed as to me. So that's what this is. Please take note that on February 14th, I need to make a calendar note. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. On February 14th at 8.30 a.m. or as soon thereafter, as counsel should be heard, um, defendant will specially appear and move the court for an order quashing the purported service of the summons and complaint on Mr. David Miscavige. We're going to go to the statement of facts real quick, but that is what they are asking the court to rule. They are asking the court to rule that he has not been properly served with this lawsuit and therefore cannot be a defendant in this case, doesn't apply to him. Mr. David Miscavige is the ecclesiastical leader of the Scientology religion and chairman of the board of the Religious Technology Center. So those are the other co-defendants, right? He is the person in charge of the other two co-defendants. The other two co-defendants are a part of the case. The business entities are a part of the case. Plaintiff Leah Remini is a former Church of Scientology parishioner. She was expelled from Scientology for serious misconduct. She um, states that she left the church, but everything in this case, in every single motion, every single thing in this case is they say this, the other side says that, and then both sides say the other side is mischaracterizing things. The amount of litigation that Scientology is going to wrap the court up in. But it's not that we haven't seen a a voluminous amount of litigation from Remini as well. This whole suit is going to be a substantial amount of they're not saying it right and they're misleading you, Your Honor. Both, Both ways. Demonstrating that plaintiff does not believe that the rules apply to her, plaintiff is not bothered plaintiff has not bothered to serve Mr. Miscavige with a summons or complaint. Instead, she sent her process server to purportedly attempt service at two Scientology-related locations. This is written so much like the press releases. If you haven't watched the last episode on this lawsuit, it will be linked down below. Um, That's the catch-up that you need. If you haven't watched that episode yet, it gives a rundown of the entire lawsuit. But um, the... (laughs) It's written the same as the press releases. Plaintiff seems to believe that her statutory obligation to serve Mr. Miscavige can be sidestepped by unilaterally selecting any Church of Scientology or related organization around the world and throwing papers at a security guard. That's in the lawsuits. That's in the law. That's in the lawsuit. That's in the lawsuit. That's there. Indeed, in this instance, plaintiff knew that neither location was Mr. Miscavige's residence or usual place of business because, one, the security guard plaintiff's process server encountered explained that it was not, and two, the agent for service of process for a co-defendant, Church of Scientology, informed plaintiff's attorneys in writing that Mr. Miscavige neither lived nor worked at either location. Oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. We're going to go through those emails. They're attached. All of them are attached, which I appreciate. Footnote one, Jeannie Reynolds is the agent for service of process for both the church and the Celebrity Center International. 
the entities at the locations at which plaintiff purports to have accomplished service. It goes on to say, nevertheless, plaintiff filed a proof of service claiming to have served Mr. Miscavige at his quote-unquote usual place of business. Plaintiff has not done so. Moreover, at no time were any papers left with a person in charge of Mr. Miscavige's offices or usual places of business as claimed by plaintiff's process servers. Here's the thing. Someone has to be served in a lawsuit. There are multiple ways to serve people and companies. Companies are required to have either an agent for service of process or someone you can walk in to the business and serve. Individuals aren't required to have such access to service. Normally, you see process servers following people around, knocking on front doors, or going to their place of business. And in celebrity cases, we've seen celebrities be served um, when they're on stage, when they're at movie premieres, and the rest of it. I had a lawyer I worked with served while we were in the hallway of the courthouse, which was not proper, while we were in the hallway of the courthouse, like stepping into another courtroom. The difficulty I'm seeing from this motion is that the Church of Scientology locations all seem to be gated and locked with a security guard at the front, so you can't get in. Um, and it doesn't seem that anyone knows where he is physically to serve him in person, so they're trying to serve his usual place of business, but he's denying that any of these places are his usual place of business, even though he is the, you know, chairman of the board of the Religious Technology Center, I didn't want to get the word wrong, and the leader of the Church of, of the Scientology Religion. So he's the leader of the Scientology Religion, and then they're like, you can't come and serve him at a church. It's not his regular place of business. And you can't serve him at the Religious Technology Center. That's not his regular place of business. Well, where is his regular place of business then? And this is the problem. They are going to try to keep that information uh, difficult to obtain and it is going to get to a point where the court's going to have to order a way for him to be served. His lawyers have responded here, but you can't force lawyers to accept service of process for their clients if the client says, no, I refuse to let you serve me. It might be his strategy that not being able to be served will get him out of the lawsuits, but this is going to have to be litigated because there are procedures for serving people who feel that they are unservable. There are there are options. You could serve people by publication and what have you. I don't think Leah Remini's team is going to just be like, oh, well, you're serving a motion to quash. We're never going to serve you. I don't think that's going to happen in this case. But it makes it difficult to serve a business when the business is locked behind a gate and no one can get to the gate, right? But it does seem that the process server just kind of left the papers with the security guard and was like, you're served, and walked away. Statement of facts. Let's see what Scientology says happened. On October 25th, 2023, plaintiff filed a proof of service in this action, asserting that she served Mr. Miscavige by substitute service at 4401 Sunset Boulevard, Scientology Media Productions of Church of Scientology International, and at 5930 Franklin Avenue, the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center International. Substitute service is not permitted, they argue. Neither of these locations is a proper place to serve Mr. Miscavige. Additionally, plaintiff does not first make reasonably diligent efforts to serve Mr. Miscavige personally. I can't wait to see the response to this. The fighting over service of process, I'm here for all of it. Plaintiff also failed to comply with the statutory requirements for substitute service. Accordingly, plaintiff's attempts were insufficient to confer jurisdiction over Mr. Miscavige. This is their argument. 
you haven't served me. You didn't follow the procedure. You didn't do it right. I don't go here. The court doesn't have jurisdiction of me. La, 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 whatever. You can't make me come to court. And then they go through and list the attempts that were made for service of process. And we're going to go through these facts. I can't wait to see the reply on this. I wish the reply was already in. It's not, or we'd go through both of it. But don't worry. When the reply to this is filed, I'm going to be covering it. Plaintiff's purported attempts to serve Mr. Miscavige at various locations that are neither his residence nor usual place of business. The declaration of diligence filed by the plaintiff lists five addresses at which plaintiff's process servers allegedly attempted service. Plaintiff left papers and followed up with mailing at only two of those locations. Neither of these places are Mr. Miscavige's dwelling, abode, or usual place of business. And then there's declarations of others who say he doesn't go here. No declaration from him, by the by. Plaintiff's attempts to serve at 4401 Sunset, which houses the production facilities for Scientology media productions. There are so many media productions, who knew? But there are. They say that the media or production facilities for Scientology media productions is not his usual place of residence or business. Process server made three visits to 4401 Sunset Boulevard. Plaintiff's process server was informed that Mr. Miscavige does not work there. Plaintiff claims to have effectuated substitute service at that location by leaving documents with a security guard slash person in charge at Mr. Miscavige's office or usual place of business. They say this is not true. On September 23rd, plaintiff's process server went to 4401 Sunset despite having previously been informed that Mr. Miscavige did not work at that address and spoke with the security guard. The security guard files a declaration in this case. The security guard does not work for the center. The security guard told the process server that Mr. Miscavige was not there. The process server asked the guard if he was in charge of the property, and the security guard told him that he was not. Then the process server threw the documents through the gate and left. The documents that the process server mailed addressed to Mr. Miscavige at this address were returned unopened with the notation, wrong address. And then it goes on to detail the other attempts at service at the 5930 Franklin Avenue location, which is the Celebrity Center. CCI is the Church of Scientology uh, and is neither part of the RTC or controlled by the RTC, which is one of the defendants in the case. The location is not Mr. Miscavige's place of abode or usual place of business. Well, he's the chairman of the board of one of the locations. Like, what are we doing? Plaintiff's process server claims that substitute service was made on Chuck Doe, a security guard person in charge. The security guard, Richard Papp, who filed the declaration, was providing professional security services. He was not providing and has never provided security services for RTC. Plaintiff's process server was told that Mr. Miscavige was not at CCI, the Celebrity Center. Nevertheless, the process server threw a stack of papers on the ground and said that David Miscavige had been served. The documents that the process server mailed addressed to Mr. Miscavige at this address were returned unopened with the rotation wrong address and not at this address. And then they go through the motion to quash, saying that this service is not the proper form of service, and therefore David Miscavige cannot be brought into court on this. But the most interesting part of all of it are the emails back and forth between the attorneys, I think. So we're going to go take a look at that. The um, the process server's declarations or the declarations from the security guards say, I told people that he was not here, that he did not live or work here, and they threw papers at me. Uh, this is from counsel for the Church of Scientology to Cameron Scott, lawyer for um, Leah Remini. 
Dear Miss Scott, I am the agent of service for the Church of Scientology. On September 22nd, 2023, a process server threw some papers, ostensibly for Mr. David Miscavige, through the gate at CSI's Scientology Media Productions. Mr. Miscavige neither lives nor works at this address. CSI is not authorized to accept service for him. I'm also the agent for service for the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center International. On September 22nd, 2023, a process server threw some papers on the sidewalk close to the CCI Church facility, ostensibly for Mr. David Miscavige. Mr. Miscavige neither lives nor works at this address. CCI is not authorized to accept service for him. The action of having a process server throw papers at random Church of Scientology addresses is consistent with the harassment Leah Remini and her associates and representatives have engaged in for the past decade. Sincerely, Jeannie M. Reynolds of Council. So the attorneys for Scientology say that Leah Remini is harassing them by throwing papers at church buildings or fences around church buildings. Exhibit two is the email response from Remini's attorney. Dear Ms. Reynolds, thank you for your letter dated September 24th, 2023, in which you acknowledge the lawsuit filed by Ms. Remini and her attempts to effectuate service of process upon David Miscavige, a defendant in the action. Our process servers did in fact deposit papers in accordance with the California Rules of Civil Procedure at the address of 5930 Franklin Avenue, Hollywood, at which Religious Technology Centers maintains an office. It is our understanding that Mr. Miscavige is the chairman of the board of the Religious Technology Center, which also withhold taxes for his service in this capacity, therefore making this address his place of work and an appropriate location for service. Although service at this address is proper and considering your close involvement with these entities, please let us know if you have information as to the whereabouts of Mr. Miscavige so that we may additionally serve him personally. We would welcome that information. Thank you in advance. Sincerely, Carmen S. Scott. What's so great about this letter is that they are kind of putting it back on the other lawyer saying, thank you for acknowledging that this lawsuit exists. You now have knowledge. You are well aware of this lawsuit. and we are telling you that this is a business address for the religious technology centers and the religious technology centers has an office there. And because the centers have an office there and he is the chairman of the board, then that is a place of business. Therefore, it's proper to serve him there. But if you want to tell us where he is, we'll go serve him there too. No big deal. Just give us the info. Thanks so much. Talk soon. So the response to that email is on September 29th regarding service of process. Dear Miss Scott, lest you continue your misguided interpretation of my letter on September 24th, let me make clear that my letter simply served to advise you that I am the agent of service for process of the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center International, near which your process server incorrectly and contrary to the California Code of Civil Procedure, left papers on the sidewalk for an individual, Mr. David Miscavige. I further advised you in my September 24th correspondence that Mr. Miscavige neither works nor resides at the CCI Church facility located at 5930 Franklin Avenue. Contrary to your deliberate misrepresentation, CCI is not Religious Technology Center's principal place of business either. Nothing regarding Mr. Miscavige's position at the RTC makes this address his place of work nor a, quote, appropriate location for service. You are on notice of these facts. 
please do not repeat your misrepresentations. The only thing missing is govern yourself accordingly, and I'm disappointed that it's not in here. Very disappointed. So, Council Reynolds uh, signed off sincerely, and um, the email was not responded to, and nothing has gone back and forth. So, is David Miscavige going to litigate to not have to be a part of this lawsuit? Yes. Am I very interested to see what the court decides to do with this? Yes. Am I interested to see Leah Remini's lawyer's response to all of this? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I want to see what happens with all of this. But again, if all the facilities are locked and you can't get through the gate, you're not unsuable because you have a fence. There are other opportunities and we will see what happens from there. So the motion to quash is the first hurdle to bring David Miscavige all the way into this lawsuit. He is not all the way into the lawsuit yet, but the businesses are. And that's where we're going to get into the rest of this litigation between Leah Remini and the businesses, because David Miscavige is not all the way in this lawsuit yet. But we're going to keep an eye out to see when that happens. On September 18th, Leah Remini and her lawyers filed a motion for preliminary injunction, which is what we are going to go over now and talk about what she is asking for. The last case where I covered a preliminary injunction at length was the Haley Page uh, wedding dress designer case with her former employer, JLM. JLM was successful in their preliminary injunction, which is asking someone to like do or not do something during the pendency of the litigation. So we're just going to take a look at um, what Leah Remini is asking for in this. Scientology has responded. This is going to come up for hearing uh, later this month, and we'll talk about it. But in the broader overview of things as we're getting back on the road so far of this case, I wanted to just cover what Leah Remini is asking for here. Introduction. Plaintiff seeks an injunction to stop defendants Miscavige, Church of Scientology, and Religious Technology Centers, Miscavige, CSI, and RTC collectively, defendants, from stalking, harassing, and otherwise unlawfully interfering in the professional relationships of plaintiff, her family members, and her professional associates. Miscavige is Scientology's leader and serves as chairman of the board of RTC, as well as controls and directs CSI. Upon Remini's departure, Scientology and Miscavige personally declared her an enemy and a suppressive person. Since that time, defendants have engaged in an intricate years-long campaign to quote-unquote utterly ruin plaintiff. All these footnotes really come from a declaration from Leah Remini, as required by Scientology. Miscavige has personally directed the untold number of attacks, including but not limited to vicious social media posts defaming her and others, stalking, threatening advances, and interfering with plaintiff's business, which is all of those allegations are the underpinning of the lawsuit that I covered uh, in the last episode on this. These deliberate and directed attacks continue to be carried out against Ms. Remini and those within her family, as well as against her professional and social network by a multitude of individuals, both within or hired by Scientology. This harassment, stalking, defamation, and tortious interference with business relationships formed the basis of the complaint against defendants on August 2nd, 2023. In the complaint, Remini outlines Scientology's well-known pattern of attacking whistleblowers and those who have publicly departed from Scientology. 
as well as the offenses committed against her or anyone associated with her by or on behalf of the defendants. Since filing her complaint, these acts have intensified. And again, these uh, statements are coming from Remini's own declaration that's attached to this. For these reasons, Plaintiff Remini respectfully requests that the court intervene and issue an order enjoining defendants from harassing or attacking her, her family, Mike Rinder, or anyone attacked due to their relationship with Ms. Remini. The statement of facts goes on to lay out a lot of what we covered in the initial lawsuit and follows with Remini and those close to her have been subject to a relentless drumbeat of attacks, harassment, threats, and disruptions by Scientology and its followers, led by Ms. Cabbage for the last decade. This harassment has accelerated since the filing of her complaint. They go on to argue that without the injunctive relief, which is the court ordering someone to, in this case, stop taking an action, that Remini and her family will will suffer irreparable harm, meaning it doesn't matter if you win a lawsuit or not. The harm they're doing is literally irreparable, and there's nothing, no amount of money in the lawsuit can fix it, so the court has to stop it before it happens. Courts are very hesitant to stop behavior, to stop speech, to stop action. So that's why it's really kind of a high bar for the court to actually grant an injunction on behavior. But granting an injunction to stop harassment should not be too difficult because harassment is not permitted anyway. It's not as if they're doing, they're running a lawful business in a trademark dispute and they're like, stop selling your thing. This is very different. It goes on to say Remini, her family, friends, professional colleagues have been subjected to escalating levels of harassment and stalking since the inception of this action. Those efforts against Remini and others are consistent with Scientology's history of badgering and intimidating those who challenge Scientology or its conduct, including especially litigants and witnesses, many of which are detailed in the facts herein. Scientology policies include exhaustive, quote, orders and, quote, battle tactics, commanding followers to ruthlessly attack and destroy whistleblowers or advocates for those who leave Scientology. And then it includes um, posts from social media and the rest of it showing the online harassment campaign against Leah Remini, uh, which all goes hand in hand with what is in the complaint They then get into the section of this motion where they are arguing that plaintiff is likely to succeed on the merits and arguing that the defendant's conduct is a violation of the California harassment laws. So they're going through and talking about the harassment here and when an injunction is considered by the courts, whether or not the party is likely to succeed on the merits is considered because you can't enjoin someone for something for multiple years without showing that at the end of the day, you might win. And finally, in their conclusion, this is what they're specifically asking to be enjoined. Plaintiff seeks an order from this court prohibiting Scientology during the pendency of this litigation from, one, posting or soliciting or directing the posting of messages that defame Ms. Remini, witnesses in her case, or others associated with Remini engaging in or directing surveillance, harassment, or other efforts to intimidate Remini, witnesses or others associated with Remini, and three, engaging in any efforts to hack the bank accounts, credit cards, or email of Ms. Remini, witnesses, or others associated with Remini. That's going to be, I mean, again, hacking is illegal, but it's going to be really hard to prove in some of these who's doing what, 
which is why these things are not often litigated, why they are so expensive to litigate, and why so many choose to try to just put their head down and move on, um, because this is what you can come up against. So I could see a court saying, you know, no one is allowed to hack the bank accounts or credit cards of this plaintiff, and people being like, we're not the ones doing it. How do you prove we're the ones doing it? Because trying to then run down proof of who's doing that detracts away from this lawsuit. And then all of a sudden you have a plaintiff who is fighting a legal battle on five different fronts, which becomes much harder than focusing just on the lawsuit at hand. And this is already a legal battle on multiple fronts. This is already a battle for an injunction, a battle with an anti-slap motion, and a battle over the service of process on David Miscavige. So this plaintiff is already fighting essentially on three fronts within the lawsuit, in addition to dealing with the things Remini is alleging she's dealing with because of this lawsuit and outside of court. All right, let's take a look at Leah Remini's eight-page declaration filed with the protective order, and then we're going to go to Scientology's anti-slap motion. If you've been thinking of selling literally anything, you need to check out the deal from today's sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is what I built the entire Law Nerd shop on. And as the Law Nerd shop has grown, Shopify has been there from my very first mug to a very large merch shop. And I love that Shopify has made it so easy. So no matter how big you want to grow your shop, Shopify will be there along the way, no matter what you're selling from a local farmer's market with a point of sale system or digital e-commerce like the Lawnard shop and Rothy's and Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of other shops. And you know, when you get started with Shopify that they have award-winning help to walk you through and support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow grow on Shopify. And did you know with Shopify Collective, you can sell your own stuff, but you can also sell products from brands that you love, giving your customers even more variety all in one place. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lawnard, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lawnard to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lawnard. You're going to be hearing this real soon. Let's get back to today's episode. This is the declaration of Leah Remini in support of plaintiff's notice of motion and motion for preliminary injunction, along with other declarations that are filed. We're not going to go through those today. It's not a deep dive day. It says, I'm the plaintiff in the above captioned action. I filed my lawsuit alleging harassment, stalking, IIED, tortious interference, defamation at all. As detailed in my complaint, the defendants in this action have for nearly two decades engaged in a campaign to quote-unquote utterly destroy my life, as well as the lives of those close to me, as directed by the teachings of Scientology. The acts within this campaign have been in many forms and are delivered both electronically via social media and other internet websites and personally in threats to me and those close to me. It goes on to kind of outline some of the same things we saw in the complaint and then says, the defamatory social media attacks against me have escalated dramatically. The number of different accounts all manned by Scientology agents has risen to nearly 200, with each posting defamatory statements at least once daily. A small sample of some of the more aggressive social media attacks that were published since my complaint are included in my motion for preliminary injunction. 
I have strong reason to believe attempts have been made to unlawfully enter my gated community again. On August 8th, 20, or August 28th, 2023, I opened the gate for a friend who was visiting and arrived by Uber. The gate is clearly marked with no trespassing signs and instructions that cars should not follow others through the gate. The car behind her attempted to follow her through the gate before it closed completely and became wedged in the gate. The Uber driver noticed this and attempted to stop his car to prevent the unknown driver from entering. The unknown driver, a man not known to me or my friend, then left his vehicle, aggressively confronted the Uber driver, and said he was with Amazon and needed entrance through the gate. The man was in an unmarked vehicle and wore no uniform. He verbally accosted the Uber driver and demanded entrance, which was denied, at which point he spent 20 minutes punching numbers into the call box without ever calling any residents of the neighborhood. Failing this attempt, he backed into the driveway of a nearby neighbor where he thought he was hidden from view of the cameras. The Uber driver and my friend believed he had been in this driveway the whole time, waiting to gain entry as they had not seen anyone come up the street behind him. After 10 minutes, he sped away. These events were reported to the property manager and to the LAPD. I also believe Scientology agents were sent to my mother's home as a threatening message to me. On September 3rd, 2023, at 5 a.m., two men approached my mother's front door of her home. My mother lives up a steep hill on a dead-end street, and the drivers of the car, two white men dressed in black, were captured on her home surveillance camera, surveilling the home while talking on a mobile phone. After knocking on the door, the two men who parked on the side of the street down the hill departed the area. On September 10th, the window at my mother's diner, Vivian's, was broken sometime in the night. Some of these things, well, you might listen to them and go, yeah, that all makes sense. A court's going to look at that and be like, I get it, but how do you know who did that? Like, yes, it seems circumstantial. Yes, it seems suspect. But how do you know that that wasn't coincidental? And that's where courts struggle with some of these things is trying to prove that these things are in fact connected. It says, this week, my sister received on her personal cell phone text messages from someone claiming to be my acquaintance and asking for my contact information. My finances have come under attack since filing the complaint. At least three of my credit cards and two belonging to my assistant who makes purchases for my business have been hacked. I have had to take steps to cancel these cards and notify vendors of the cancellations. My accountant informs me that this level of hacking of one individual is highly unusual. I rely on these credit cards to maintain my business and any disruption in service comes at a financial cost to me. I maintain an Instagram account and have 3.6 million followers. This social media platform and my followers are important to me. Scientology operatives have, since the filing of my lawsuit, made efforts to damage my Instagram account. Various individuals believed to be connected to Scientology have submitted complaints to Instagram about me and my post, particularly those mentioning my lawsuit and flagging those as hate speech. Should the attacks continue, I could risk losing the ability to advocate for victims of heinous attacks via this tremendous platform. Additionally, since the filing of my complaint, individuals who are close to me have been attacked by Scientology, and it goes through that as well. The thing that's so difficult with cases like this, and I hate saying it in the podcast because it's what's difficult about a lot of harassment cases and harassment campaigns, is that it takes a tremendous amount of time and money to unravel who's behind it and then connect them back to the person that they're being sued by. These are both difficult things to experience and some of them are difficult things to prove. And that is true in a lot of cyber harassment cases. What's the solution to that problem? I don't know yet, 
does it need to be solved? It should be at some point. And it's going to have to, especially with the Instagram stuff, all of that's going to have to be subpoenaed to see who's making the complaints to Instagram and seeing where those connections are and tying them back because the social media platforms have all of that information. But people will brigade accounts to try to get them taken offline and damage people's businesses. And it can take a tremendous amount of time to unwind or those accounts can be lost. TikTok uh, particularly will take accounts down and not explain and there's no one you can contact and they won't put them back up. It can very much damage people's businesses and their finances. But finding who's behind it can be very difficult and litigation can be expensive. So these are problems that need to be addressed. How to address them is a challenge. And I think when you listen to the things Leah Remini is going to, you probably have a tremendous amount of empathy. And then the other side, when you go to court, is how do you prove this in court and trying to prove a pattern of harassment when the harassment is being done by different people at one's direction, which is what she's alleging, again, can be uh, expensive and difficult. And I think Leah Remini probably knew that in taking on this lawsuit knowing that this was going to be how it's played out because this is not the first time somebody sued Scientology and it doesn't seem to be the first time that when they've sued Scientology, these things have escalated. Proving it is difficult. And finally, we're going to take a look at the Church of Scientology and the Religious Technology Center's uh, special motion to strike, aka the anti-slap motion, and talk a bit about what that means and what happens next because that motion is coming into court for hearing on Tuesday or was heard on Tuesday. So this is the defendants, Church of Scientology and Religious Technology Center's special motion to strike, anti-slap motion. Remember, uh, defendant David Miscavige is still arguing that he doesn't even go here and he's not a part of this case yet. So he's not going to be engaging in this pre-answer litigation because then he would be ceding uh, jurisdiction of the court and then would lose the argument that he hasn't been served and therefore is not a part of this lawsuit. Please take note that on November 28th, or as soon thereafter, as this matter may be heard, the CSI and RTC move for an order striking the following allegations from the first amended complaint. And then they list all the things they are seeking to strike, which are uh, paragraphs, a ton of them, and images in the first amended complaint, the fourth through ninth causes of action, or in the alternative, claims in the fourth through ninth causes of action based on these stricken allegations, and claims in the first through third causes of action based on the stricken allegations. So they are arguing that a large swath of things need to come out of the complaint because they are protected speech. Um, and they are citing some of these as protected speech on a matter of public interest in a public forum or protected boycott and lobbying speech. And they're saying because those are protected speech, then they cannot be in the complaint. And then the allegations that are supported by those items of protected speech, those causes of action have to be dismissed because there's no allegations to support them. So strike some of the factual statements and then strike all these allegations. So for the first through third causes of action, they want those stricken because they're arguing that once you strike out all the allegations, they can't stand. And then the other ones they're attacking directly because those are the proper types of causes of action to bring a anti-slap motion against. We've talked a lot about this in other litigation. 
For the court's convenience, defendants have provided a copy of the fact which highlights in yellow the paragraphs, portions of paragraphs, and causes which defendants are moving to strike through the motion. On October 24th, counsel for the parties met and conferred regarding the grounds of this motion. During the meet and confer process, counsel was unable to reach an agreement. I'm shocked. This motion is made pursuant to the Code of Civil Procedure 425.16 on grounds that the allegations in the paragraphs identified above arise out of constitutionally protected speech and that the plaintiff cannot establish a likelihood of prevailing on these claims at trial. That's the heart of this motion. The introduction. After being expelled from the Church of Scientology over a decade ago for unethical conduct, plaintiff Leah Remini made a lucrative career spewing hate and inspiring violence against the Church of Scientology, its parishioners, and the ecclesiastical leader of Scientology. She has done this through her autobiography, a cable television show, podcast appearances on broadcast television and radio. She has used those platforms to call the church, quote, pure fucking evil, and its parishioners, quote, sick assholes, quote, fucking like body snatchers, and, quote, morally depleted, and even falsely accusing the ecclesiastical leader of the religion of unidentified, quote, unquote, crimes. Plaintiff candidly admits that she spins hate for cash, boasting to ABC News, quote, I don't work for free. I mean, does anybody work for free? She admits her anti-Scientology TV show, supposedly, quote, investigative journalism, was a sham. Quote, listen, that's how it works, honey doll. Wait, there's, there's a comma there. Honey doll, that's how you do it. It's not reality. I work out. I plan out all these episodes and we figure them out beforehand on who's going to say what. End quote. That, I need a lot more context. It then goes on to say, yet the harm and terror she caused is all too real. Since plaintiffs started her hate campaign, the Church of Scientology, its leader, clergy, and parishioners have endured more than 500 acts of hate, vandalism, incidents of harassment, and threats of violence and death. Within an hour of the debut of the second season of plaintiff's TV show, the church received these threats and others. Quote, you all are dead. I'm going to murder all of you pig cult bastards and blow up your building, you are fucked, end quote, end quote. All churches are going to be gone. All every asshole Scientologist is dead there, end quote. Um, okay, I need context. It goes on to say, refusing to remain silent in the face of the threats and violence plaintiff inspired, the church fought back. Well, they're admitting that the things, I think this is them admitting that they did what they did. They're like, yeah, we did all of that. We're just, um, that's our free speech. It shined a light on plaintiff's ugliness, showing the world the degrading comments plaintiff made about Scientologists and their leader. It lets her supporters know that they were giving comfort to an anti-religious bigot. It detailed the hundreds of threats and crimes inspired by plaintiff's speech. And it did all of this committed to the principle alien to plaintiff. The church always told the truth. Everything the church has said about plaintiff's hate and bigotry is documented most often out of the mouth of plaintiff herself. This is the way that they are going. I don't think this case is going to settle. I don't think this case is going to make it to mediation. I think this case is going to have to play out at trial where they're arguing, yeah, we said all of that about Leah Remini, and it's true, which is wild. It goes on to say, now that she is on the receiving end of speech, Okay, plaintiff has filed this complaint and the attendant application for preliminary injunction to stifle all dissent. This is where their anti-slap motion comes in. 
This lawsuit is nothing but an attempt by plaintiff to stop defendants from responding to her hateful attacks with truthful speech. Each cause of action, she alleges, seeks to impose liability on defendants for stating opinions about plaintiff's hateful conduct, such that she is a quote-unquote bigot, or of the incontrovertible truth, such as that plaintiff defended and continues to defend a man found liable for rape. Indeed, in her 310-paragraph complaint, plaintiff has not identified a single statement by the church that is neither opinion nor true. So their argument is that everything they said about Leah Remini is either true or the opinions of the church. Plaintiff's attempt to tortify a public debate that she initiated and has profited from is why California enacted its anti-slap statute. It is no surprise that the allegations satisfy both the first and second prong of the anti-slap analysis. Plaintiff cannot deny that under prong one, the statements at issue concern a matter of public interest. Making them so has been her bread and butter for a decade. Alleged non-speech conduct that the plaintiff characterizes as surveillance is pre-litigation petitioning, and that's also protected by prong one. That's confusing. As to prong two, whether plaintiff can prevail on her claims, dozens of the allegations are barred by the applicable statute of limitations. And as to those that are not, they are non-actionable exercises of free speech, such as true statements, statements of opinion, and group boycott. In addition, plaintiff cannot meet her burden to establish through admissible evidence elements of each of her claims as she must to survive this motion. So though some of that is confusing, they are breaking down that prong one of the anti-slap analysis is that the issue is an issue of public concern. So is Leah Remini's speech against the Church of Scientology a public concern or is it a private matter? And we saw this in almost every defamation case that I've covered because that is the first the first level of the analysis. Leah Remini's arguing in part that she is not a public figure for all of this. I think that's going to be a hard argument to make because she's become the face of, of those who have left Scientology. So I think when it's regarding Scientology, though it's not helpful to Remini's case, I think when it's regarding Scientology, it's going to be hard for her to prove she's not a public figure with regard to this conversation. But Remini's lawyers are arguing that her speech about the church is not what's at issue here because her speech about the church is a matter of public concern. Her speech about people leaving Scientology is a matter of public concern, but Scientology speaking about her is not a matter of public concern. And Scientology going after her, an individual, is not a matter of public concern, and therefore it's not going to meet prong one. And then prong two will be whether or not plaintiff can prevail on their claims. It is a very difficult analysis in a case that is so very, they said this, they said that. The defendants then go on to list out all of the things that Remini, they say, has done to them, which is not really the point of the anti-slap, right? The point of the anti-slap is that the church's speech against Remini, she is alleging is harassing and defamatory and the rest of it. But they're a very large portion of the beginning of their motion is, yeah, but she said this about us, which isn't really the point here because what she said about the church is irrelevant to what the church said about her, which is the heart of the cause of action here. 
but they are they are listing out for pages the things that they say Rimini's speech has caused hate against the church. Um, I think part of that is to bolster their claim that that the things they've said about her are true, which, as we're talking through it, is a valid point to argue the anti-slap motion saying she can't um, prevail on this because the things we're saying about her are true. And they're trying to pull out these incidents to prove um, that the things they're saying about her are true, including from the websites Leah Remini, The Facts, and LeahReminiAftermath.com. The legal standards governing the anti-slap motions. Yay. This is what the court's going to have to decide. Section 425.16 creates a special motion to strike, quote, a cause of action against a person arising from any act of that person in furtherance of the person's right of petition or free speech under the United States or California Constitution in connection with a public issue. So are these companies, which will be considered people under the law, because we're only right now dealing with the church and the technology thing. So are these these businesses rights of free speech? And are the businesses speaking about Rimini a matter of public issue? The anti-slap analysis has two steps. First, the moving party must show that the challenged claim arises from activity protected by Section 425.16. And that behavior arising from the section would be a person's right to petition or free speech in connection with a public issue. If the moving party meets its initial burden of showing that a claim arises from protected activity, the burden shifts to the plaintiff to demonstrate the merit of the claim by establishing a probability of success. So it's a two-part analysis, but it also shifts the burden. So if the defendants can prove that their behavior is in this case, we're dealing with free speech, not right to petition. So if they can prove it's free speech in connection with a public issue, then the first prong can be met. Then it shifts to Remini to prove that she has a probability of success in this case. And so all of the motions are written almost in two parts. Like part one is the defendant's burden to prove, and then part two is plaintiff's burden to prove. So the motions do become quite lengthy. The thing that's difficult with anti-slap is they consider the case on the merits before discovery has ever been done. And that can be very difficult for plaintiffs suing over defamation that need to get to discovery to continue to support their claims, which is both the point and the flaw of anti-slap motions. Because if somebody truly is being silenced and their speech is being silenced, dragging them through multiple years of litigation and costly and time-consuming and invasive discovery is against the principles of free speech. But when you have defendants who need discovery to support their claims of defamation, when they are actual claims of defamation, it can be hard to get past that second prong. And because we're not doing a deep dive today, I'm going to get to the conclusion of this because we've broken down the heart of what Scientology is asking for. They're asking for a number of things to be stricken from the complaint that will knock out causes of action one, two, and three. And then they're asking for the rest of those causes of action, the speech-based causes of actions, to all be thrown out because they are arguing that the church's statements against Leah Remini are A, protected free speech 
about a public issue and B, are true. So therefore, if the burden shifts to her, she can't survive it because it's not defamation. It's either opinion or fact and the facts are true. That's the heart of this argument from the Church of Scientology. The church does not summarize their position in their conclusion at all, so I'm just going to jump to the opposition to this motion real quick before we wrap up today's episode. But because the burden shifts from, you know, if you get past that first prong, the burden shifts to Leah Remini to prove a likelihood of success on the merits, that is why you end up with like a 700-page filing with screenshots of things that were said about her and harassment and what have you, because essentially the church is arguing that she um, incited all of these other acts that happened to the church. So when they made statements about her, those statements are factual um, based on what's in their motion. So let's go to the summary from the opposition real quick. This is plaintiff's opposition to defendant's the CSI and RTC's special motion to strike the anti-slap motion. It starts with, for 10 years, defendants David Miscavige to the Church of Scientology and the Religious Technology Center have waged a coordinated campaign to quote-unquote obliterate and utterly ruin plaintiff Leah Remini. Defendants have engaged in countless false and malicious attacks of Remini through Scientology-run social media accounts and websites. Defendants have physically harassed and stalked Remini, her family, and her colleagues, Messages obtained between private investigators hired by Scientology to follow Remini reveal that, quote, word is they want to kill her, end quote. Scientology is a multi-billion dollar organization headed by Ms. Cavage. Scientology's self-described, quote, reliable source, Mark Marty Rathbaum, a former member of the and official of Scientology, has repeatedly accused Ms. Cavage of criminal conduct. In 2013, when Remini publicly left Scientology, Following a childhood subject to abuse and later psychological torture and punishment, defendants deemed her an enemy or suppressive person. This is all in the um, all in the original complaint and the other things that we've covered. It goes on to say Scientology misuses the anti-slap statute to continue to further quote unquote bully its victims. They cite a Texas case where Remini's attorneys are saying that they, the Church of Scientology, ran the same playbook or the same litigation strategy that they're running here and bringing in that court order in Texas, quoting it saying, criticizing Scientology's attempt to use the anti-slap statute as a shield to protect the type of harassing conduct alleged. There's also a really interesting footnote um, on this first page from Leah Remini's team, and we haven't gotten their answer yet on the uh, service of process, but the footnote says, one, Recently, in a case against Miscavige for committing child trafficking, the court found sufficient evidence that, quote, Miscavige is actively concealing his whereabouts or evading service, Baxter versus Miscavige. And that is a case out of Florida from 2023. And then they cite that case. This is, this has tentacles, like the Scientology cases there. This is not the only one going on. They go on to say that defendants rely primarily on a single declaration of Lynn Farney, a Scientologist, a witness declared under oath to this court in a previous case that Farney, quote, a low-level Scientology official, lied in a declaration to the court. Here, too, Farney lies on fabricated and inadmissible evidence. Defendant, or Farney relies on fabricated and inadmissible evidence. Defendant's motion should be denied for two independent reasons. First, defendants have failed to meet their burden to show the anti-slap statute applies to their personal assault on Remini. 
Second, Remini has demonstrated that her claims are likely to succeed. So this is where, again, you're on the defense as to prong one and then on the offense as to prong two. This is a 800, no, 900 page-ish, seven, a lot of page motion um, where, again, it is a lot of back and forth where Leah Remini is saying, these are the things that they are doing that are defamatory. Particularly strong in this case, I think, is the direct interference with contracts Leah Remini had, all that tortious interference won't be hard to prove. What's going to be difficult is to tie the people doing it back to these defendants. But it's pretty clear from the record that's already been submitted to the court that because of the outcry at like audio boom, um, they canceled their podcasting contract with her because of that. That's not going to be difficult to prove. It's harder to connect it back. But Scientology is saying in their motion, we said these things in their opinion or fact and she started it, and she is doing these things, so nothing we say is harassment. It's all protected free speech. This is what the court has to sort through. The court has to sort through two very different versions of the same set of facts, really, because Scientology is not saying they didn't call Leah Remini these things. They kind of ignore um, some of the other aspects of harassing but they don't shy away from the things that are being said about her. So the court is going to have to go through argument and then go through this two-prong analysis. Do I think the court is going to rule on Tuesday with regard to the anti-slap motion? No. I think the court is going to ask a lot of questions and hear oral, oral argument from the lawyers and take this matter under submission. I think the court is going to rule on this in an extensive written motion. That's not uncommon in uh, special litigation or special motions to strike the slap motions. So if the court grants any of the motion, things will be terminated out of this lawsuit with finality and the other side, the defendants can win attorney's fees. If it's denied, then there can be some other pre-answer litigation. You can get a, um, you know, all the jurisdictional motions and stuff, which may or may not happen, and then an answer, and then this will go forward into litigation and into discovery. Slap motions um, are not always granted. They are not super common that they are granted. Normally, by the time a plaintiff brings their motion, they have um, a really good basis in the facts where they believe that they can uh, prevail. But the motions are meant to stop people from, particularly the more powerful party, from using money to silence people in litigation. So it's not a surprise that we are seeing we are seeing that play reversed here uh, with this case with the church alleging that everything they said is protected free speech about a matter of public concern. We will see what the court does with this and how they rule. Once the slap motion is ruled on, it can't be brought up again, but then it will start the years-long process of litigation because I imagine we will see more litigation with regard to discovery and a big fight over discovery. We're going to continue to see a fight over getting Miss Cavage served and brought into this lawsuit, and we are going to see litigation at every single turn and a ton, a ton of documents. So. You guys know that I often record the podcast with our members in the chat here um, and let them ask questions. And we've got a 
few questions that I'm going to answer from our members real quick. So let's do that. Kimberly Rudd in the chat asked, is the slap motion decided by a judge alone? Yes. The judge is the finder of fact and the ultimate arbiter of the anti-slap motion. So if a judge grants the motion or any part of the motion, those causes of actions are stricken out of the lawsuit and it can pare the lawsuit down or end the lawsuit entirely, but just determined by the judge that this case is in front of? That's a great question. Angie English said, Emily, what do you think the odds are that Leah settles or do you think this case will go all the way? I went through the case management statements from the two corporate, uh, the CSI and the the Technological uh, Institute and Leah Remini. All of the uh, all of the defendants that responded said that they are not interested in going to mediation in this case. I don't think there's anywhere for them to settle. I also think it's going to really determine. Uh, interest in settlement is going to be determined by when and if Miss Cabbage is served and how the slap motions go. So I think it's too early to really assess that yet. But we'll circle back to that after there's some rulings. Uh, Walkie Talkie said, why can't they show proof of attempts to serve? They can. They haven't responded yet because that motion hearing is not till February. So how Leah Remini determines to serve David Miscavige. We're not at the end of it yet, but he definitely knows that they're trying to serve him and is arguing that he has not been. Uh, Mickey in the chat asked, can a judge force Shelly Miscavige to come to court or sit for a deposition? So far, she is not a party to this litigation in any way. She may be a necessary witness, but she would have to be served to come to court So that is a litigation fight for another day because they would have to prove that she's a necessary witness to things that happened since Leah Remini left Scientology. And I think that's going to be difficult to do since no one has seen her since Leah Remini left Scientology. And with the rest of it, thank you to our amazing members for all of their great questions. Let me know what you would like to dive deeper into in this case. It It is not going to be a short for snappy litigation. We definitely have seen that the lawyers have no no love lost in their emails and that Scientology and Leah Remini are going to take every opportunity to point out what the other side is doing and try to keep the court focused on their side. Let me know what you think about all of it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your families be well. May you stay very warm and not covered in snow. May the odds be ever in your favor. And if you're rocking the Valentine Stanley mug, let me know how you like it because I don't have that colorway, but I found this cool watercolor one and I love it. So there we are. Cheers, Lawnards. See you in the next one. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnerd.